0: Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman, for episode 90 of our show, in which we will discuss Marvel Studios' The Next Ten Years. This topic was selected by one of our patrons, David Rosen, who actually joins us for this conversation, in which we are going to examine what the next decade will look like for the MCU. 2018 has been all about Marvel Studios' The First Ten Years. What about the next 10 years, especially with most of that taking place after Avengers 4? What will the new era of the MCU look like? How will it take shape when Fox characters like Fantastic Four and X-Men get to join in on all the fun? And what are the challenges that Marvel Studios and maybe even Marvel Studios fans will face during that time? We get into all of that in this week's episode. But before all that fun begins, I want to take a moment to give a big, big thank you to Nolan Wilde, Stephen Hamem. Chad Schaefer, Tyler Scraba, Edine Close, and Dylan Brody. They are our latest patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Marvel Studios News. So, like David Rosen, they have access to exclusive content that is not available anywhere else, including Patreon credit scenes, where we discuss an additional topic on top of our main episode. So, for this one, for episode ninety, we'll have a Patreon credit scene in which we discuss the latest on the James Gunn situation, with reports coming out that Disney is unlikely to rehire him, even after the cast gave their support to the director, and we also discuss our thoughts on the Venom trailer. So you get that. And those Patreon credit scenes are available for just a dollar a month. But we also have different tiers with other exclusives like weekly Q&A shows, a daily podcast breaking down Marvel news. Uh, We do a Marvel Unlimited book club in which for July, we we just did our July episode for the end of the month. And we talked about Infinity Gauntlet as well as some of the tie-in issues to that Marvel event series. So we have all kinds of exclusive content available, but also we have exclusive opportunities. Like you'll hear with, uh, like you'll be able to listen to this week with David being able to pick a topic and come on the show and discuss it with us. And you can find out more information on all of the different tiers and all of the different exclusives we offer over at Patreon.com/slash Marvel Studios News. And one of the coolest features in all of that is if you do sign up and you start getting exclusive content, you will have your own. RSS link. It's a private RSS link just for you that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts. And that way you can get this main show as well as all your Patreon exclusive content on one feed. So you don't have to track down your Marvel Studios News podcast content in different locations. Uh, so that's a really cool feature. And again, you can check all of that out on our Patreon. And then you can also keep up with us every day at marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News. And on Twitter, at Marvel Newscast. So with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and let's start breaking down Marvel Studios the next 10 years. Paul, I know you're here, and everybody's Mm -hmm. used to hearing you, so it is my pleasure instead to first introduce... (laughs) David Rosen. David, I'm really excited about you coming on the show because I think you've got a good discussion topic as we start looking into what the future looks like for Marvel Studios over the next decade or the next decade plus and what it might, how that might take shape and what are the challenges Marvel Studios will face in the future, but also... You're a regular on the Q&A shows that we do on the Patreon, and you always have really awesome and thoughtful questions, so I'm really excited to really digging into this topic with you because, A, you picked it, so I'm guessing you have a lot of cool things to say about it, Uh, and just looking forward to getting into it. So, David, welcome to Marvel Studios News.
1: Thanks so much, and hey, hey Paul, and hey, Sean.
0: Yo. (laughs) That's Paul. That's me. I'm still here, guys. He's a man of few words. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> or actually not even technically. I don't know. Is yo a word? I guess it probably is by now. Anyway, so David, take us through uh, your topic a bit. So I know the the main thing you wanted to get into is just the, the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe over the next 10 to 15 years. Or actually, let's just – let's start with this. Before we break into challenges, I mean, are, what are the things that you're – looking forward to you or or the most excited about or or what are are you kind of starting to picture as this, the the decade to come for Marvel?
1: Um, Well, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to seeing all these new franchises. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, before the MCU came out, I was really just kind of a DC and slash more of a really just more of a Batman guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Since the MCU came out though, like my focus has really turned to Marvel and I, I've never been too big into the, into the comic books, but you know, movies in general are kind of my thing. So I'm just like, you know, neck deep in MCU stuff. And I love it. It's kind of my, my religion. If I kind of had a moment during, I had a, I had a moment during infinity war when, uh, I just kind of had to admit myself, admit to myself that the MCU is my new religion. (laughs) Wow. So I just, that's fair. And I, know, I, I think I've, I mean, you know, Thanos man,
0: becomes a god in the story, so, I mean, it, it makes sense.
1: And, yeah, I mean, I I was... uh, I have a master's in Jewish education, so I know a little bit about religion, and I just see so many uh, parallels between, you know, Marvel or comic book fandom and, you know, actual real, quote-unquote, you know, re- real religions, hmm. uh, uh, that, you know, for me, it's just like, you know, every day, it's kind of a routine. I, I check the website, I look at... Look for tweets, look for new stories about MCU stuff. So, you know, it's I kind of live, eat, live, and breathe the MCU. Mm.
2: Um,
1: so, you know, that's that's where I'm coming from.
2: <laughs> can, I have, can I ask a quick question, Sean, to you, our, our friend here, David? You can. Excellent.
0: It's um, better if you I, ask him, though. But, yeah, you
2: well, can. I, well, I, I don't want to derail <laughs> us too much. But, David, you're I'm fine. curious. You're, you're more of a movie person. You know, I'm and I'm, I'm obviously a movie and a comic book person. I love comic books like crazy. So is are have you dove into the comic or uh, have did what's the pronounce? What's the pro- proper you word? Dove have into the gone-
0: comics is fine.
2: Yeah. Uh, have you gone into the comics much? Is that something that you would want to get more into or you just have like no, you're not really interested in comic books. Uh, kind of curious your your uh, your take on that.
1: Right. No. Um, so <laughs> I have a thing about reading in general uh it's just hard for me to stay focused i'm much more of like an audio visual person mm-hmm. um that being said though uh there have so this is actually this is, might be a good jumping off point for how i ended up on this topic but um basically i've tried to get into some stuff you know when winter soldier was coming out i tried to read up on i read up on winter soldier mm. Um, I read up on what else? Most of my most of my hard copy stuff is D C but uh I read The Oath, Doctor Strange when it came out. Like I try to give myself a little bit of a backstory in in, in the comics before a movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when Guardians of the Galaxy was announced, uh I felt like that was the first franchise that didn't have, you know, 50 60 whatever years of history and i felt like i was able to jump in from the beginning so i mean i think i mentioned at one point uh guardians is my favorite my favorite franchise because i felt like i was coming into that with actual knowledge from the comics Mm -hmm. i read uh i read the albert and landmine run yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a fan Oh uh, <laughs> boy, yeah, it really is. <laughs> and, uh, That's a true knew, listener of the podcast. No yeah, kidding. I didn't like that. And uh and then I got into the um the uh Bendis stuff. So mm. you know that was probably the most that was probably the movie I came in with the most comics background. And either I'm not sure if it was because of that or just I loved the movie so much, you know, Guardians became my my favorite franchise because I was so steeped in the steeped not steeped, but you know, I had a Fairly decent knowledge of of the comics. Okay. Um. So you know, I the thing I read most recently was I I uh, was reading the Kirby Eternals run. Mm.
0: Um,
1: Mm. I I only got about halfway through. I don't blame you.
0: Yeah. And then all
1: uh, Paul got. Yeah, that's all I could do. (laughs) Although you know, it's funny because I had no idea that uh, the Eternals was based on you know old what what people call ancient alien theory. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was super into that. And I always thought for the longest time that it would be a, a really cool movie to, to do a movie about, you know, these ancient beings who came down and, you know, helped form the human race, but I never knew quite exactly what form that would take. Um, so here, learning that Eternals, uh, was, is basically based on that. You know, I think that's probably my next favorite franchise that I'm looking forward to. uh, because I you know have some comics knowledge, and I'm hoping to catch up some more once well, my life, yeah, once, sure. once, my, once my life calms down a little bit, yeah. sure so. right on
0: well, I think it's also I, I think it's a good point though of like the you have a little bit of an easier jumping on point with certain characters and guardians for sure because even a lot of even a lot of really devoted Marvel comic book readers weren't super familiar with the guardians and and of course the that particular run with that roster that we have in the MCU wasn't even established till 2008, just six years before Mm -hmm. the movie came out. And I think with Eternals, there's really not that much Eternals material out there. I mean, there's, (laughs) there's the Jack Kirby run and then some of that bled into some of Thor and there's other stuff with Avengers and there's a couple other small Eternals runs here and there. But for the most part, uh, audience, there's there's not as much catching up to do with Eternals as you have uh, with you know when you get into Iron Man and Captain America and you know the rest of the Avengers or or with Spider Man or when the Fantastic Four and X Men eventually get introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Speaking of which, I know that's obviously going to play into this discussion here. So I I am curious about your your Marvel fandom. So I know you weren't a big comic guy, but what, prior to the MCU. Did you watch like the Marvel animated shows, like the X Men stuff in the '90s, or anything like that? Or was was the MCU really what got you going into into Marvel?
1: It's funny. I mean, I was always like a a comic book boy, I guess. Growing up, mm. um, I said Batman was my kind of my favorite character, um, and I can't tell you, I can't say exactly when I was. I I, I must have been watching cartoons because I have all this like peripheral knowledge mm. of, of some stuff. I, I think I used to... I think I watched X-Men cartoons. I um, may have watched some Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of a point where as the MCU started to develop and they would talk about they were going to introduce this character, I, I knew about the character somehow. I can't tell you when or how I learned about them. Mm. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's kind of... I just kind of absorb stuff and pick it up. Yeah. So... I can't really tell you what I was watching. I I remember X-Men. I don't remember a lot, you know, past that.
0: <laughs> I think it makes no, but it makes sense though. I mean, these characters are are so present that you kind of I think that peripheral knowledge is something that that people have and and by the way, like I don't think there's anything wrong not that you were insecure about it, but there's nothing wrong at all, not just for David or for anybody else. I mean, if you got in if your big jump into Marvel was the MCU, then I mean, that's most Marvel fans right now because the the right. you know Marvel fandom has blown up and largely because of the MCU. And that's what's been so great about it is it's one of my favorite things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this was kind of a recurring theme on our Road to Infinity War episodes was the way Marvel took characters that really weren't that well known in the mainstream and made them household names. And they just continue to do that over and over and over again. And I love that. I love that. Marvel Studios through the MCU, they're making people into bigger Marvel fans, and that leads them into reading some comics. Not everybody dives in as much as everybody else, because it may not be how everybody else equally enjoys, uh, you know, experiencing these characters and these stories and everything like that. But just to get into, uh, to get a little more into your topic now, so what are you, as we're looking at Marvel Studios the next 10 years, what are you picturing? Is there Like, I mean, because the big question here is like, what happens after Avengers four and not necessarily in terms of getting into plot, but do you have a vision of anything that you're kind of already looking at for what you think, you know, how you think the MCU will take shape after Avengers four, whether it's in terms of phase structures, it doesn't have to be in super specific detail. I'm just curious what, what's the general sense you're getting for what the Marvel studios uh, or what the MCU might look like over the next decade
1: right um (laughs) excuse me i mean it's interesting because the the whole disney fox thing definitely throws a wrench into what i might have said maybe a a couple weeks ago or even a month ago Hmm. a few months ago um i think it's pretty clear that they are expanding to include a lot more cosmic stuff right um which i think is a good idea because i don't know I, I, I feel like one of one of the one of Marvel Studios' uh, strong points is that just when you think things are getting stale, they they kind of open up this new door, mm. and uh, I think that happened with Guardians. It happened with Doctor Strange. You know, Kevin Feige has talked a lot about how they're always looking to expand the Marvel universe, but before they can do that, they kind of have to lay the groundwork. So I I, I kind of feel like Phase Four will be or whatever they're going to call it. Will be a combination of continuing on some of the stories that of the characters we already know mm-hmm. and survive Infinity War, um, and then it's also going to build out into the cosmic into the cosmic stuff. They, they've talked about Nova, they've talked about uh, Eternals, um, and I know that with the. X Men and Fantastic Four properties come a lot more cosmic stuff, and you know Captain Marvel is going to be getting into that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like Phase Four is going to really uh, flush out the meaning of the term universe. You For know, they're sure. they're really going to expand. And you know, I, if if I had more comics knowledge, I wish I could tell you characters I'm excited to see. I do. I do. I there are some I'm excited to see. Hmm. Uh, you know, I really want to see Angela come in. Mm. Um, her, seeing her with the Guardians and the comics was it was awesome. I love the the stuff that she had going on with Gamora, mm. and mm. Uh, I also I also think she'd be a great uh, if they ever do want to do a do a Lady Thor. I think that she is uh, the character to take that over instead of you know. I don't think anybody thinks that Natalie Portman could. Be. No,
0: yeah, the, the Jane <laughs> Foster Thor is not going to happen in in the MCU, but there could be another female Thor at some point. I mean, whether that's Valkyrie or Angela, I mean, you have options there. But um, as far as, I think, uh, I definitely see what you're saying. I mean, when I start to think of what the MCU is going to look like and how it's going to take shape over the next five to ten years, it the Fox stuff is kind of its own thing. But even without the Fox stuff, just setting that aside for a second, we've already kind of, some of the stuff we can just naturally assume. Because Black Panther blew up and Captain Marvel is probably going to blow up next year and so I I heavily expect Captain Marvel and Black Panther to kind of become the new Iron Man and Captain America of the MCU to become like the new top two Um, and then I would imagine and then it's going to be a mix of other new obviously Black Widow will be around at least in prequel form to start maybe if if, uh, those reports are true but so Black Widow will be around and then you'll have, uh, you know. And then even without the Fox stuff, though, I I think Thor continues. I don't think Thor dies in Avengers Four, so I think Thor and Black Widow have the best chance of being like the veteran holdovers from the first three phases, at least as far as uh, the at least as far as the Avengers go. And uh, but I, I definitely think Carol and T'Challa are going to be the ones who step forward and kind of take the lead. And then Stephen Strange will still be very important, but I think Doctor Strange will remain kind of like he's always been in the comics, which is he's available when the Avengers need them, but he or when the Avengers need him, but he's just not always around because he's busy doing his other stuff that they have nothing to do with, uh, and they can't really have much of anything to do with. And so, uh, so Doctor Strange is always kind of just a bit on the outside, just a bit on the fringe of the core Avenger team. And then you have, obviously, Spider-Man will be part of it, but we have so many different opportunities with... Uh, you know, we've talked about these rumors before or just the, not even rumors, just these fan ideas of young Avengers because you're going to have Spider-Man. If Nova ends up being the Sam Alexander Nova, you've got Shuri, who's 16 years old, who could either become, you know, either whether that's being a se- a, another Black Panther or is she going to take up Iron Man armor if Tony Stark goes away? more retires or something like that, you have options on the table to get to a young Avenger team. Kevin Feige has also acknowledged that they will, that they do have plans for Kamala Khan for Ms. Marvel once they get the Captain Marvel franchise uh, established. So I think you can kind of see those seeds being planted. And then I, I, I think because they have, and, and obviously Eternals and Nova would blow up the cosmic side of things along with Captain Marvel and continuing with guardians, even without James Gunn. So uh, and, and I think Thor will still be pretty cosmic. Like I think the fourth Thor film will be very, pro- probably even more cosmic than Thor Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think you have. a I I agree with you that you're going to be blowing up the cosmic side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think what's kind of great about that is it's a little easier for all of these franchises to kind of really maintain their own identities and be in their own space. No pun intended. Um, and, and that kind of feeds into the the broader idea that I have, even without the Fantastic Four and X-Men, which is I do kind of feel like, at least when Marvel gets started after Avengers 4, I don't feel like there's going to be a ton of connectivity between the films. I, I think they're, they're, they're going to be part of the same universe, obviously, but I don't think, and I, and I haven't thought for a long time, that that Marvel is going to immediately jump on like the next big story, you know, what's the next 10 year arc that we're going to go on here because they didn't do that in phase one. We didn't know about Thanos until the sixth movie in this 10 year journey until four years after Iron Man. And even then it was a little time after that. It was a couple years after that, before we really started seeing, or at least a year and a half before Thor, the dark world actually name dropped infinity stones. And we started realizing, okay, now we're going into this bigger thing. And so I, I think it's going to be like that. And I think phase four will almost feel like phase one, not in terms of its scope, because I mean, obviously we have crazy cosmic franchises all over the place, but just in that in terms of that idea of the films feeling fairly independent and not necessarily uh, introducing everybody to the next big villain that's going to be looming for the Avengers and the guardians for the next decade. But I don't know. How do you see it, Paul?
2: Well, My first question is: Have they even confirmed they're going to call it Phase Four?
0: No, if I and Feige has just said Phase Four or whatever we're going to call it. I think is the way exactly. So yeah, the the idea of the phase structure could very well go away.
2: And that's what that's what I'm kind of going with. I think I don't think they're going to have a Phase Four, quote unquote. I think it's going to be a whole new thing because depending on what happens in Avengers Four, we may not have Captain America. I can't I can't talk tonight Captain America and Iron Man but at the same time, I also, you know, coming from comic books, these characters will resurrect themselves or whatever. So I think the they'll come back in some shape or form, but whatever the next iteration of films are going to do after um, this is all over. And I'm not sure if, if Far From Home is it's technically a part of the, that new phase or whatever they're going to call it, correct? I mean, I think
0: it's not part of phase three, is it? No, it's not supposed to be. I mean, yeah, unless, so- unless something has changed and it's going to. And the movie really is set between Infinity War and Avengers Four, which I don't think it is. uh, Yeah. Unless it, or I'm sorry, or possibly between I'm sorry, not between those two films, but between Homecoming and Infinity Mm -hmm. War, which I don't believe it's going to be. Yeah. um, Yeah, yeah. That that would be the only thing that could still put it in Phase Three. Otherwise, it's Phase Four.
2: Yeah, or whatever. Or whatever it
0: it it is. Yeah.
2: So I think that we're gonna start seeing like how you were talking about, Sean. They're gonna do a whole. Try to give these other characters a focus. Like, okay, look, you know, here's Black Panther, here's Captain Marvel, here's Spider Man. I'm not convinced that that Sony's just gonna. You know, let's assume that. Let's say Venom does really well and Morbius does really well. They're just gonna be is like, it gonna oh, do
0: really well though. No, no, I, I didn't say it <laughs> yeah. was going to okay. hypothetically, said, look, hypothetically. Yes, okay.
2: hypothetically. But um, but what I was saying was let's just assume that it is, and then I, I'm not convinced that they're gonna take Spider Man for themselves and go, nope. We got to have this. I think that there's room for two Spider Men's going on if you make them two different characters with Miles Morales and Peter Parker. So let's assume they do that. Peter Parker is going to be a big focus in that next uh, iteration of uh, Marvel MCU films. So I think that my prediction is in the next, you know, ten years, kind of shaping. I I think they're going to try to breathe some new life into these films let's see what the audience does because you know let's let's face it the audience is going to dictate what we see with their wallets okay so if we keep making black panther films he's going to be front and center and leading the avengers you know or whatever same thing with captain marvel she's going to be just like like you yep. said let's say fans don't like captain marvel not say they're got they're not going to but let's assume let's say they they won't you know, And then like go, ooh, I, I kind of backfired on us, like the Incredible Hulk, if you will. And then let's say it goes back to— Well, that's um, really
0: bad news for Avengers 4 if people don't like Captain Marvel.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're going to. And I, I, again, I'm just kind of throwing some hypothetical questions and, and ideas at us that what's going to happen— you know, Miss Marvel, for instance, let's say Captain Marvel is super successful but Miss Marvel is not if they make Miss Marvel. I mean, look, we're going to dictate the, the mainstream or not us, but the mainstream audience is going to dictate what what they're going to focus on, because I think that they're while they're preparing to get, you know, the other stuff coming in, which we'll talk about in a minute. You know, they're going to try to breathe in new characters that are maybe aren't as proven. To kind of see what you know, I don't want to say, they're going to throw, see what sticks. But in some way, I think there is going to be some of that kind of thinking where they're going to say, "Come on, Khan, let's throw her in here and see what mm-hmm. we can do." You know, she's a great character, and will audiences connect to her? And, and I, I think they will, but. We just don't you never know. I yeah, but
0: I, I think Marvel operates from more of a position of confidence though. Like it's they're they're not really sitting back and waiting, Oh well what if the audience likes this character? Like they bet that the audience is gonna like him and they're gonna get the audience to like him. That's why you have Black Panther coming out and there's nothing you can do about it. You're completely committed to the third act of Infinity War happening in Wakanda. What if people didn't like Black Panther? Like, m- you know, Marvel has shown that they're willing to bet on themselves and bet on their characters. And I think that tradition, that, that part <laughs> is not changing post-Avengers 4. They're going to keep doing what they've been doing, which is, you don't know, who, which is, okay, so mainstream moviegoers don't know the, who these characters are. So what? We do, and we're going <laughs> to show the audience why these characters are cool. And, I mean, that's what Marvel has done over and over and over again from Iron Man through Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange and Black Panther, and they'll do it with Captain Marvel. And, and like, you know, it, because there's always been that time of, like, oh, you know, going back to Guardians of the Galaxy, there are people, and a lot of people were wondering, now, now everybody takes it for granted because it's one of the biggest franchises in the world, but... Before that came out, a lot of people were like, oh, is this going to be Marvel's first bomb? Is this going to be the first time Marvel like bit off more than they could chew and just took it took it too far to where the audience wasn't going to go with them? And, mm-hmm. of course, they knocked it out of the park, so it was fine. And I think they're going to just continue to do that. I mean, I think they'll pull off Eternals. I think they'll pull off... Like, at this point, I can't doubt them unless... Unless we reach a point in this in this next decade to come where maybe Kevin Feige isn't involved, that's when I'll start to worry. But until he's as long right. as he's at the top of this, I I just don't have uh, I don't have much concern in that respect.
2: Well, right, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think what if these new characters pop? Which I mean, let's be real, they will. There hasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. It's hard to say they aren't because I, I'm only doing hypotheticals. It's, it's say the audience just takes a, n- a nosedive or whatever. Then you know what's going to happen is that it doesn't matter what Fox characters bring in here. They're going to go front and center back to Captain America and Iron Man, depending on what happens to these characters or with these new characters and these new films in the next five years. So I think it's in, in 10 years. I think it's very likely we're going to see more Captain America and Iron Man films. And now, is it going to be in the same continuity? I I kind of think it is. I, I think there's going to be a loose continuity with this stuff and kind of nods to everything. And and people, just like in the comic books, you know, people, let's be real here. I mean, Spider-Man's been, you know, 20 years old for like 50 years, right? I mean... I think there, there's going to be a loose continuity with this stuff, where people can go, "Oh yeah, they referenced Iron Man three, the Mandarin, when that fake Mandarin," but they're not going to talk about the, you know, the exact time like that happened five years ago. They'll, they'll, maybe they'll start, they'll they'll learn from the Sony mistakes and go, "Let's not give exact dates," you know, well, or kind of did whatever. though because
0: Infinity Infinity War actually corrects the date because Infinity War says it's been six years between Infinity War and the original Avengers, which. It's, it's actually easier to do that than it is because when you say the number of years, it can be an approximation. You can always be rounding up or rounding down a bit, so, like, by, you know, se- by up to several months. Um, but when you go to, like, exact dates, which I think that's the kind of stuff that Marvel is probably going to uh, going to avoid. But let's get into the Fox stuff. So
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Can, David? Can I add, oh, can yeah, I go ahead.
1: Yeah. There's something else I wanted to say was I think that by and I think we're starting to see this is that they are they're starting to do more solo movies, but as crossovers or team ups a lot oh, more smaller yeah team up movies and I know one thing I kind of would like to see and it depends what happens at the end of Avengers four is I kind of want to see the Illuminati come in
0: oh absolutely, where, uh,
1: and now that they have the fox characters, you know, maybe with the except maybe they replace black bolt, but uh, you know, I kind of want to see that these smaller crossovers. You know, I think one of the my favorite parts of Infinity War was seeing all these different characters interact. Mm-hmm. And now that they've built this universe so big, um, they can really do a lot more of that. And I, I think audiences responded well to seeing all these now established characters uh, interact with each other. And I think that's one thing they're going to do do more of. Uh, whatever the next you know, next <laughs> phase of movies is called.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that kind of that kind of sets up the Fox stuff because one of the the things yeah. that I think about like with the Illuminati. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily form the Illum- the Illuminati at the end of Avengers four, but that's just me being a nerd and wanting Reed Richards to be a founding member, and he's not in the MCU yet. But whenever that forms, but that I think. I kind of think Avengers four lays the groundwork for how the fantastic four even come into this. Cause I do expect the fantastic four to be introduced before the X-Men and maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just feel like the X, the fantastic four are easier to introduce and, and to do that more quickly than the X-Men because, well, first, the Fantastic Four franchise has been dead for the last 3 years, so you don't have it's you're fine as far as the reset button goes. Uh it's been, you know, 3 years since the last incident uh, incident and it'll be a couple more uh before you finally get Fantastic Four into a movie, at least a couple more. And I think you've already set things up because of Avengers Infinity War and Avengers 4 and earth facing its biggest alien threat ever. Like the battle of New York was the initial alien threat, but that was obviously nothing compared to what Thanos brought. And I think that will on earth, that will create this uh, urgency to get back into space travel and to make sure that humans are represented in all of this and not just Peter Quill, a half human out there with the guardians, but they're going there's going to be a lot more of an, uh, there's going to be a lot more ambition for space travel and, and getting Earth involved in these cosmic things so they're not caught completely unaware like they mostly were with Thanos. And and so that sets it up right there for the Fantastic Four for Reed Richards, Sue Storm, uh, Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm to go off on a mission and that mission is where they get bombarded by the cosmic rays and they they emerge as the Fantastic Four. Like I... The, the setup for Fantastic Four, I think, is relatively easy in terms of introducing them in the story. I wouldn't do the, you know, the, the period piece Fantastic Four of let's put them in the 60s or anything. I know that was Peyton Reed's idea for it back in the day, but that would have worked when there was no MCU. There is an MCU now. We already had Cap introduced in the 40s, put on ice. Same for Bucky. And then we're going to have Captain Marvel or Carol introduced in the 90s and then bring her forward in time to the present day so I don't want to repeat that with the Fantastic Four but I do love I I think especially when you have such great present day motivations uh, or near future motivations uh, for the Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to set up uh, the origin of the Fantastic Four
1: I would love it if and I I have this little fantasy that if and when they actually call it Phase Four and they introduce it as Phase Four they introduce it with the Four being the logo
0: oh yeah I mean, Fantastic four, that's, then, that's know, money. Be a big part of it. <laughs> I think they should call it phase four, to be honest. Like even because we're so used to the phase branding that you would have to do more work in order to get people to stop calling it phase four. So just yeah. lean into it. It doesn't really matter that we call it phase four. Like what ultimately matters are the movies, and I think the movies will do a pretty good job of they'll do a great job of standing on their own, and standing apart. And I think the movies in phase three mostly have stood apart from one another. Uh, yeah. the, the, with the difference being, you know, some obvious differences being like Civil War and Infinity War, but that's the same creative team. So, of course, that's going to connect, and one film is going to hand off to the other one. But still, the stories are, are fairly separate, and we've seen that throughout Phase 3, and I think that trend continues in Phase 4. Um, I think the X-Men are tricky. Uh, the I, I get asked this on the Patreon all the time, how would you introduce the X-Men? And I've got a few ideas, but none of them are good. I don't love any of them. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm curious what you would think, Paul, on how to introduce the X-Men, because to be totally honest, like, I don't know. And I'm just really glad it's not my job to figure that out.
2: I think it's uh, here's here's what I think with the X-Men. I think it's actually it's easier than you realize, because one of the things that um, and even in the first X-Men film and they did a good job of kind of like why they haven't really discovered them at this point anyway is the fact that they've been they've been hiding for so long because they're afraid to reveal themselves to the public and mm. you know the, to the greater of you know world of what's going on and you know besides these super you know other superheroes going on and yeah they could go out and And you know help New York or whatever, but at the same time they run the risk of revealing themselves and who they are and in a in the bigger threat. I also think you could in in a very meta sense you could have Professor X be blocking them all mentally of with his powers, and you could introduce that whole idea of like why didn't we know? Why didn't you help? And it's like because the world's not ready for something different. And he can use all these great real world things as examples of why the world's not ready, right? Because he could say look what happens in the world you know given differences with this and you know and bring all these you know the world meets these people with hostility and they're not even like powerful they're just normal people and they reject them because of what they what they think and what they do and it's like what makes me you know what makes the mutant uh, population and community want to come out and reveal themselves due to this world that rejects them you know it's it's now maybe at this point professor xavier feels it's time to to show themselves, maybe in the absence of Captain America and Iron Man, it's time to show that the world is changing and evolving. Um, and Professor Xavier has found that it's time to do that because, you know, he's, again, one of the things that he does in the early comics is that he protects his children. He calls them his children. So I think that that's very... Uh, the father aspect, mentor aspect could be, you know, over, almost overprotective. You, that could be a story point in the X-Men as well. I mean, you could still have Wolverine often in, in Canada doing black ops things in the, Marvel, in the MCU, and no one knows about it. Because, again, it's Weapon X, black ops. No one knows about it, right? Mm. So – you can still introduce all those things into the Marvel universe, or Marvel Cinematic Universe, and still, and I think save face a little bit because again, there's the the mutants are supposed to be underground and you know Professor Xavier. Here's the thing too, you can't necessarily make Professor Xavier and, and uh, Magneto be in concentration camps anymore. They're way too that's they're way too old at that point. So they they have to do something different. With the, or at least with the press
0: Yeah, unless you're freezing him in time again. Yeah, like that's, I've had that thought too for, for Eric Lencher, for Magneto. Like it's, mm-hmm. the Holocaust has been a defining moment for him. It informs why he feels the way, largely informs why he feels the way that he does. Uh, but, and like, and why he feels so threatened by humanity and feels that he has to combat them mm-hmm. with violence. Like, but you're right. It's, I don't know how they do that because even if he's, uh, you know, at at this point, even if he was a baby when it happens, in which case he wouldn't really have memory of it. Like he's going to be eighty years old. And... I have an idea with that, though. I hear, here's how you get around it, and and this is a cop out, but bear with. He me. was hiding in the back of the ship that Cap crashed, and he was no, also no, frozen.
2: No. no, 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 no. Here, I think this is the most easiest way to do it, and with all the mutants, is they this how Wolverine doesn't age very well. All mutants kind of de age or don't age the same because of their mutation. So you could say that Eric Lencher. I don't love it.
0: I mean, because for Wolverine, it's more, it's specifically his healing factor that that allows him to age more more slowly.
2: this is more extreme because mm. of his healing factor but everyone would say it makes you about 30 you know you live 30 years longer because you're a mutant or something like that like something that's a little more generic that way you could still have that magneto mutation or yeah. have that moment or have or at least he can call back to it i mean at the same time he could reject you know his you know his answer or not re- or reject what happened to his ancestors to where he re- you know he hates what what's happened and he, he uses that for himself you know even though he may not have lived through it, you could still you know, feel it in, as part of your heritage and, and know that you, you're always in fear because that's what you were taught as a child. That's another way to do it as well. So, but to me, as far as revealing the like who these superheroes are and mutants, I think having Professor Xavier mind shield them, mind shield the world from them for the time being until it's, they're ready. And maybe after Avengers Infinity War, when the, when the world is accepted and seeing the good and the bad of these people with powers, that's when Professor Xavier might say, might say, it's time to reveal ourselves.
0: The only issue, the, the bigger issue that I have with the they've been here all along idea with mutants is because that's also the Eternals. And you don't so, do the Eternals. Well, in my that's, Eternals is happening. Like, it's happening. Well, we
2: don't know for sure. Now that uh, Fox is happening, maybe it's uh, going to be, Maybe, do that, do that.
0: but, like, I think they like the idea already, you know? Sure. And, and so I, I think they already have an idea that they're excited about. And so and, and so I'd be surprised at this point if Eternals doesn't happen. And uh, especially cuz Kevin Feige has actually talked about it publicly now. Like you know, and now he granted he didn't commit to it and he didn't say they're definitely making it. He just said it's one of the ideas that they're looking at, but he also announced Inhumans. They've hired a yeah, but that was a totally separate deal. Uh and Fair he, enough. he never he, he no longer had to make that movie after Summer 2015. Anyway. <laughs> So like the uh, I, I don't know as far as the um as far as the mutants like uh, the bit, if they don't do eternals then the mutants being here all along is fine but since that is part of the whole the whole thing with the eternals if they are making the eternals then it just feels really redundant to have that happening with the mutants uh but David do you have do you have any favorite ideas right now for how the mutants get introduced
1: Um I'm going to go back to one of the suggestions I think I made in one of the Q&As and I am not definitely not the first person to suggest this. I wouldn't be I'm going to say I wouldn't be shocked. I think it's in, I think everyone is kind of expecting that maybe the snap had something to do with it or one of these one of the infinity stones. Mm. And you know I I'm going to bring up again what you know what happened with the way that they introduced uh Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Um you know they don't really quite say what those experiments were. And True. we know we know they were experiments with the minestone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, who's to say that, you know, a snap didn't send out some shockwave that, you know, activates some mutant gene in, you know, a portion of humanity and that's how I think that's that's a lot of people have suggested that I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, if that happened. I also think that it's possible that Marvel comes up with something that has nothing to do with the history that maybe in the beginning angers everyone because it's not it's not how it is in the comics yep Uh, and I'm kind of thinking about the way that they did Ultron Uh, you know initially I remember when that came out uh, you know it wasn't Hank Pym it was Tony Stark and that you know that the Hank Pym thing didn't work for the MCU and so I just I wonder if the MC if Marvel is going to think up something that none of us are thinking of. And I, I, I'm having a hard time saying what that is because I'm not super well-versed in X-Men history, but it wouldn't surprise me if whatever they come up with is just something totally new that no one has ever heard of, and maybe at first it, it, it pisses people off, but eventually in the context of the MCU and because of the situation with the with Fox and the rights, it just seems to work for this situation, and maybe it doesn't draw... Back to anything that's in the comics, um, well,
0: and I, I think you're. I I like the. I do like that theory. You know, the Mind Stone activating the mutant genes because it sounds a little inhumans, but there probably are no plans to do the inhumans for a while. So, you know, you could steal the inhumans and almost have like the the Mind Stone acts as terogenesis, or even if it's not necessarily the snap itself, because the snap may be undone in some fashion in Avengers four but just something to do with it, whether it's the snap or some other connection to the infinity stones and more specifically the mind stone that triggers the mutant gene. I think that that could actually make sense if they want to have a more widespread group of mutants. Um, the other option is just, it's just a small pe- like the mutant gene starts emerging in phase four or phase five or whenever Marvel starts doing it. And like characters just start discovering their powers And another idea that I've had, and I don't—I'm probably, again, not the only one to say this, is what if the—or actually somebody else suggested this, and I was spinning off from that. I think somebody else—I don't know if it was you, David, or somebody else, but somebody suggested the idea of the deviants being the mutants. Uh, Yeah. But— because the, the Deviants, for those of you who don't know, go back and listen to our Eternals episode from like June. You'll get way more info on who the Deviants are. But it's another species that's on this planet, and they are mortal, but they look different. They have different abilities, powers, and all that kind of stuff. The only thing I don't necessarily love about that is because you know the Deviants should kind of be their own thing. But if if mutation came as being like a hybrid of Deviants with actual humans, or or a, a, a hybrid of Eternals and humans. Maybe that's something that that plays into it if they really want to cross-pollinate. But the other option is just people start discovering powers, the mutant gene just starts emerging, and that's it. And it's all a present-day event, and it starts out with a very small group, and it just gets bigger and bigger as we go. Now, I know that would be—the issue with that is, uh, uh, to your point, David, you're— I just I feel like Marvel's hands are tied because of the way this is all happening and you know where in the the timeline all of this has to happen. I feel like they're they're backed into a corner as far as doing things just like they were in the comics. There's going to have to be some there's going to have to be some changes for things to make more sense in uh, in the MCU and fit within the MCU and I'm fine with that. I'm willing to go along with that because if that it's worth it to me to have them in the MCU in a way that makes sense versus doing something that doesn't really fit within the narrative of the MCU, but, oh, it just makes you happy if you're a, a comic book fan. Because if it's not good, it still won't, as a comic book fan, it still won't make me happy because it's not good material.
1: Right. What do you think about uh, if maybe they leave that as a – they leave it open? You know, maybe they don't necessarily tell us right away how this happened. Then it? it's uh, – it's a mystery to you know, the people who inhabit the MCU, but also to us as the, as the audience, and it's something maybe they reveal over time in a series of movies.
0: I'm fine with that because that's kind of what's happened in the MCU. They've introduced ideas, and then they've gone back, and they've filled them in with past story. Like I'm a, I, and I think that might be – maybe that's a solution is you, know, you get the best of both worlds. Focus more on the present day just to get things introduced. And then you can slowly, as you see windows in the MCU timeline, go back and retroactively add material because they've done that. They did that with Ant-Man. They're, you know, they're going to do it with Captain Marvel. So I don't have any issues with that. What do you think, Paul?
2: I think that's a, a, a fine idea because remember in comic books, that's what they always do. They're always going back and adding things and going, oh, this, this happened behind the scenes during this time. And therefore, you know, after a couple of years, this happened. I mean, that's. That happens, and you can, you can, and I think that's what you could do with Professor X, and you know, again, going back to my whole, I like my theory. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I like my theory of idea of Professor Xavier shielding the, his X Men from this world, and maybe something happening in the past where he's like, the world's not ready for the mutants the the mutant phenomena to be exposed and maybe that's where you know the ideologies of professor xavier and magneto collide finally the fact that magneto's like you know charles it's time for to review ourselves so i think that there's all in whatever you decide to do i think that's not a bad way to do it is kind of retroactively go back and say okay i don't think we can make i don't think a prequel film is the way to go because i think you can only do that so many times right yeah um i know there was a kind of a, a, a theory about fantastic four being revealed like well you could have them go off in space and then like no. they're gone like, yeah. and uh, no. and actually i i know the guy who, who actually uh, thought that and made it a twitter moment and i don't like that guy but that's another story <laughs> um but uh, i actually know him personally um but no but here's the thing, and besides me being annoyed at that guy in general, the hysteria it just I'm like this is exactly what Captain Marvel is. It's the exactly. same thing. Yeah. So I oh, can't do that.
0: I'm not a fan of it, especially when you you have such a natural entry point in the story for the Fantastic 4. You really don't have to overcomplicate things with the FF. The, the X-Men, it is a trickier thing, and you can decide to go with a... Comp- you have choices between more complex routes versus something simple. But with the Fantastic Four, it's so natural right now. It's so easy that on Earth... Uh, space research would be a bigger priority after the events of Infinity War and Avengers 4 and Reed Richards and his team like they're at the forefront of that and they're um, they're like the first team that volunteers to go off and be part of some crazy mission of cosmic exploration and it goes horribly wrong and they get uh, and they get their powers and so like I, I think that's just what you do with the Fantastic Four it's already there for you. You already yeah. somebody <laughs> already bought Avengers Tower. Like you already have that opening to, to make it them like and be this present day thing and I'm not saying that it's wrong if the buyer of Avengers Tower doesn't end up being the Baxter Foundation and it doesn't turn into the Baxter building but uh you know you just have such you, it's so easy right now. The Fantastic Four can just slide right in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they'll fit perfectly. They always would have fit perfectly at any point in the MCU, but you've got uh, such an, uh, such a perfect entry point right now. I just I wouldn't screw it up. Um, Here's uh,
1: an I, I have an idea for X-Men that I had just okay. thought of.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: So, going back to the Infinity Stones, you know, what if we are, we, we know that the what is it? The Space Stone, the Space Stone has been on Earth since, you know, the times of the Vikings? You know, I think is that what the history is uh you know the, uh,
0: the, the somewhere oh, well, I mean it was described as the jewel of Odin's treasure room right and, but, and then, and then in, but yeah, it's in been Ka- on earth for hundreds of years
1: right, so what if what if uh let's say each each stone has different energies and provides when it comes into contact with humans, each stone gives people different kinds of mutations or powers and that's where all the different X-Men powers come from. So, you know, if if this... You, you can have maybe some mutants who have been here a, a, a while because the Space Stone has been on Earth for so long, but then when Thanos comes and brings the entire gauntlet, you have all six all six stones maybe giving off six different types of powers, and when they mix, you get different things, and when he snaps that, that kind of sends those energies all over the all over earth and you may be you have some who are existed before but the snap creates you know some new kinds of mutants you think about that
0: i think that that can work although you don't have to go you don't have to go different stones though in order to accomplish that you can you just don't have to because quicksilver and scarlet witch have vastly different powers and they and they got it from the same infinity stone so, you know, uh. you can do it and and I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I don't have any issue with it. Um, I think, uh, but yeah, you just, you don't have to, but you have, I, I guess the, the moral of the story is that is that you have options. Uh, the question that I have for you, David, is you mentioned when you, for your discussion topic, you also kind of posed the question of, you know, the MCU possibly maybe eventually getting too big for its own good. So, and if that's something that can happen over the next decade, what do you, you know, what do you see that makes you think that maybe that could be a possibility? Or or, or how would you see that becoming a problem?
1: So, the way that I came up with this topic was when I was uh, getting ready for Infinity War, or even after maybe I'd seen it, you know, I was asking a friend if he wanted to go with me to see it, whatever time, number of time that was. And he told me that he hadn't seen some of the movies, which, mm. and you know, so I started listing all the movies that he probably should see but in order to really understand what's going on and like kind of basically before I knew it, I was listing half the MCU so
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I was I'm, I was going through every movie and I like there's probably at least ten of those movies that have connections to infinity war so sure. you know right now infinity war was only eighteen movies what happens when it's thirty or forty movies deep and mm-hmm that's that's going to be coming not too long, and you know if, if you think about what well, happens if we
0: continue with uh, if we continue with three movies a year, we hit forty movies in twenty twenty five or I'm sorry yeah, because it would be six years from twenty nineteen because Avengers Four is going to be twenty two films right and we and might that- and we might be bumping that- up to four films a year, so it's a good right. point so
1: eventually we're going to become thirty forty and movies deep, and you know the x men and Fantastic Four adds you know. No pun intended, X number of movies uh into, you know, that, that that could be made. And if I mean if you think about what's happened in the comics in Marvel and also in DC, um, you know, over time these stories start to get so complicated and convoluted that they just have to reboot everything and start fresh. Um and, you know, I just wonder if, is, if are we going to get to a point where audiences, the general audiences, not like, you know, us, the nerds, but general audiences are just feel so lost that, you know, what's Marvel going to do? Do they do they have to start including more exposition in every movie? Because I feel like that, that already happened. You know, Ant-Man and the Wasp kind of had to rehash the whole movie and, you know, they they did it in a funny and entertaining kind of way. But they still had to rehash, you know, basically the events of the first movie for the anyone who hadn't seen Ant-Man yet, and also Infinity War. The, you know, I love the scene with when Doctor Strange is is explaining the Infinity Stones to Tony, but that's also Marvel explaining the Infinity Stones to the audience. And but we already got that scene basically in Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, I feel like they're going to have to start including more and more exposition the deeper they go and eventually these, these stories like what happened in the comics, it's just going to get so complicated. You know, what, what's going to happen when you're 30, 40 movies deep and you have to rely on something that happened in movie 24 or
2: 25.
0: What do you think, Paul?
2: Well, I, to me, this is where I, I kind of think that, do they keep, do they keep a loose continuity? Do they just re just kind of reshape everything? I think it really depends on, again, What happens with all these new heroes? I almost think it's a blessing in disguise. Not even a blessing in disguise, but just something that where it kind of makes it easier for them to decide, well, we can just make these X-Men Fantastic Four films... And keep going. We don't have to worry about the Cap and Iron Man stuff. And again, it all depends on how successful these films are. If they're not successful, then they may have to consider let's shut it down and bring back the what the heroes we 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 first came with and that everyone loves. And I think that that's kind of we have to see where we're at as far as getting too big for itself. I mean, it really depends on again. Like it's it's, it's like every time I think people are getting superhero fatigue fatigue, I can't talk tonight, fatigue, is the the fact that, you know, Infinity War will make $2 billion, and you know, Ant-Man still makes more, Ant-Man and the Wasp, still makes more than Ant-Man. So it's not really, they're not slowing down. Like they're becoming entrenched in our pop culture to where people have accepted, we're getting these and they're enjoying them. And it's, it's just become like a standard, right? Like, Oh, we're getting superhero movies. Which ones, you know, do I want to go to is basically, and whether that keeps going or not, I have no idea. But as we all know, Westerns never really got a style. They had a definitely a high point at some point at one time, they came down, but they kept making them. So, the way I kind of see it is, if if Fantastic Four and X Men and Miss Marvel and if Sony will continue to to rent out Spider Man to Marvel Studios, you know, and all this stuff, I kind of think that like we may it may go on for a long long time. We may get a new iteration of Iron Man. Look at Iron Heart in the comic books. You know, um, she's you know a young character that is you know. They can easily bring in as a new Iron Man or whatever. And Captain America doesn't really age. So all you have to do is recast Captain America and be like, cool, it's new Captain America. Awesome. Or whatever. So to me, there's ways around it to keep it going for, like you said, David, like 20, you know, or excuse me, 40 films deep. They definitely have it in them. To be honest, it could go that far and then they could say, okay, time to kind of restart everything, not be too complicated. But since they've got 90% of the Marvel universe to work with now with fantastic four and the X-Men, they don't have to worry about necessarily you know, having to reboot the whole continuity because you can keep the continuity going if these movies are successful. I mean, the Marvel Universe is full of so many characters and not to mention something we haven't really tapped into really is the Netflix people. Like, all those characters, they could say, not part of the continuity, that's a whole separate thing, and it's whatever, and they can bring in Daredevil and do a Daredevil film or, or whatever, or a Moon Knight film or, or Blade or the, all these different characters. You can keep the continuity going, and one of the more genius ideas that maybe people haven't talked enough about is that they don't have to make an Avengers film that has Captain America, Iron Man or or thor or whatever they can have care and thor's another great example by the way that you can recast because he's a god he's not gonna he's not gonna age so you can keep recasting him and still keep that continuity the only character that doesn't really age is iron man but remember the comic books already set a precedence that those big three don't have to be in the avengers to be avengers And you can keep rebranding that franchise with different characters like Black Knight, like Hercules, um, like Seriously, Sealer, we talked about in the Eternals. There's so many different things you could do with it. You can keep that Avengers brand, maybe not necessarily Captain America or Iron Man specifically, but you can really branch off and do more things with those characters. So to me you're right like it will get too big it's possible but the only gets too big if you keep trying to bring in different people to replace the heroes that we have and we love if they can keep giving us heroes that like are fresh and new which let's be honest they've got thousands and thousands of characters to use they haven't even touched on yet really so i think it's I think it's they could keep it going. They really could. I mean it but it all depends on the success rate of these new characters, which I think is still highly likely because Fantastic Four I think is due. Fantastic Four is just is gold for the MCU in my opinion. And it's a tailor made for, especially with this you know, Infinity War already established. And Fantastic Four are gonna be just perfect for the take, you know, for coming into this continuity and making it even richer, in my opinion. So I think they're setting themselves up for you know the longest continuity movie streak ever and maybe never touch it. if it, you know. Again, these new characters can keep going. If not, then they'll stop while they're, while they're ahead and then reboot the whole thing.
0: I think we're a long ways off from a reboot. I really do. I, I don't think we're going to get one within the next 10 years. I don't even know if we'll get one for at least 15, 20 years, Might, maybe even longer. And I think the way you avoid the problem is – First off, not recasting. You know, let characters die, let characters retire. You know, if if Captain America goes, then Captain America goes. If Tony retires then Tony retires and maybe you occasionally bring him back, but I think uh you know, there was one time where Kevin Feige actually compared Tony Stark to James Bond and said that they could recast and everything. And he hasn't said anything like that in a long time. And I think he had a change of heart where he realized and and everybody else at Marvel Studios realized that the key to recasting isn't recasting the actors in the same roles but recasting the Avengers roster in terms of which characters get to be in it and that's why we're seeing phase 3 setting up new leadership for the Avengers and the new key players and and so i think that's how you also solve the issue of the continuity of the canon being too much for everybody how do you keep it accessible because to your point david i mean it's a, it's a legitimate concern and something marvel studios has to figure out and have, has to navigate very carefully because you don't want the movies to become like the comics. A huge part of the reason why people don't go and read the comics, especially new comics, people might go back and read, uh, kind of, you know, what, what are the most famous stories? What are the most important and, and, you know, seminal stories for a given character or whatever? What are the events that are, are influencing what's happening in the movies? That's what people tend to go back and, you know, mainstream moviegoers who then want to get into comics, they're more likely to go back and read the greatest hits. Of characters as opposed in stories as opposed to actually going in on Wednesday and picking up the new issues. That's not what most people do, and the reason why is because it's really hard to, it, to just pick up an issue in most current Marvel and DC books. It often is a little daunting. I'd like to get thrust into the middle of the story, and there's so much history, and how do you account for that? How do you catch up? And it's. It's not it's never really as hard as it seems, but to that person who has no context for it, it seems too much and it just seems impossible. And you don't want the movies to get to that stage where people are going to feel like I can't go watch the latest Marvel movie because I haven't seen the last 5 Marvel movies, so now I'm just behind or I didn't see the first decade worth the decades worth of Marvel movies because you have people now, I mean, you have kids who are going to be, you know, 10 years old and they weren't born until phase 2. You know, like you're going to or they you're going to have kids who are 10 years old and they weren't born until after Avengers four. And so it's like you can't necessarily blame them for not being caught up. You blame their parents, but you can't blame the kid for not being caught up. And so I I think the way Marvel but I, I think the way Marvel appears to be structuring this is going to help them, because if phase four is really more about. Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man. You don't have to go as far back. You don't have to go all the way back to the beginning to understand what's going on with those characters. You might have to go back a little bit, but not too far. And eventually, Captain Marvel and Black Panther and Doctor Strange, they, they will give way to another generation of heroes that will come to the forefront of the Avengers. And so, with each kind of generation of Marvel movie fans, they'll kind of have their Avengers... Which is also what happened with amongst comic book fans, because depending on when you were reading the books and when you got into comics, you have your Avengers roster, you also have your X Men roster, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and that and that largely depends on when you were born and when you were started actually getting into and reading the comics. And so I think the movies have the opportunity to do that, and the good news is you're still never putting out as many movies per year as you're putting out comics. So the continuity doesn't grow nearly and expand nearly as fast in movies as it will in comics. So the problem will net will, there is a similar issue, but I think it actually is much more possible. <laughs> I think like it's actually possible to navigate it in movies in a way that maybe it's not, it's certainly nowhere near as easy in, uh, in it's, or I should say it's, it's exponentially more difficult in comics than it is in movies and so I think the main thing is you just have to keep the stories fresh and don't reach too far back. Infinity War and Avengers 4, yes, they're reaching back all the way to the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So on the next group of stories, you don't keep reaching all the way back to the beginning of the MCU. What you do is you reach back to the beginning of the post-Avengers 4 MCU. I think that's what you do, or maybe a little pre-Avengers 4 Granted, for you know people who had their first films before Infinity War, like Captain Marvel, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, but you're introducing a lot of new characters and getting and they're getting their own films, and they weren't part of this before Avengers Four, so you don't have to have their stories, uh, you know, reflect what happened or, or call back to what happened in the other Marvel films. So I think there is a solution to the problem, and it is something that it's not. I don't want to call it easy, but I think it is manageable for Marvel Studios for not only the next decade, but I would say at least the next two decades. And then maybe it becomes, uh, then at some point maybe it becomes an issue. But I think people will be on board and I think people will be on board with the idea of watching these movies. And another thing that maybe you do if you're, if you're Marvel, if people are going to accuse you of being a gigantic $200 million TV show anyway, lean into it. Put previously on if you have to. You know, like I go back to uh, one of my favorite opening credit sequences, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2 opening credit sequence, because it is basically a previously on of the first movie. And that's just one Spider-Man origin story, and they did it. So I think you have you have options, but I, I still don't think even Marvel Studios will need to do that, as long as they let the new stories just take over and not call back to too much of everything else. And I think that's what they're going to do, because Kevin Feige, in that interview with Vanity Fair, in that article, he said, there's going to be the MCU before event or up until Avengers four, and then there's going to be the MCU after Avengers four. And so I think all the story points and everything has to, you know, stay as contained as it can to the after Avengers four space. And if it does that, then I I think that helps with their continuity issue. But since you posed the problem, David, what's your solution for it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, well, uh, interesting. I think that what you just said about previously on, uh, maybe it was just because of michael pena's character but you know ant-man and the wasp already kind of started doing that yeah so i I wouldn't be surprised if they've worked that in maybe in to other other stories somehow without michael pena yeah um i think i think also that it's interesting i think when maybe we're up to phase i don't know five or six i think the mcu phases are going to start to resemble what we now refer to as the the different ages of comics Hmm. you know you have you have your your yep. your your silver age, gold age, golden age, whatever. Um, and I think you know, I mean, already phase one, phase one has a different feel, sort of, from phase two and three. And post Infinity War, post uh, Avengers four will probably have a different feel. I mean, already we can, I can probably tell you that since we're all we're, all, we're they're going cosmic, it's going to have a different feel than yep. uh, what we've gotten so far. So. I think you know people. Some people prefer the Golden Age. Some people prefer Silver Age, and we may well probably have people who, you know, maybe dip their toes into Phase One, but their you know their jam really is you know Phase Three or Phase Four. You know, after post post Infinity War. So
0: yeah.
1: I think people will maybe probably you know where where they grew up, whatever part of the MCU they ended growing mm-hmm. up, growing up. That's that's the that's the the place where they'll 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 cling to and that'll be their their MCU so to speak even though it's all connected. So yeah,
0: I no I I totally agree and I and I think that's actually where it's not so much just a thing for Marvel Studios to be aware of. I think it's also a thing for us to be aware of as fans. Inevitably there are going to be some breaks in continuity. It's just going to happen because if you're going to have a canon this big that goes on for this long through this many films, You're going to have things that don't always completely sync up. And I know that's already happened a few times in the MCU. And to me, uh, I don't mind a few little gaps here and there or a few little revisions and retcons. I I think all of that stuff is just part and parcel of having uh, a long form, you know, a serialized story. It's just going to happen that way. And so I, I allow those things as a fan, but more importantly than that though, and we talked about this when we got into our, our conversation about toxic fandom and everything, um, cause it's a great point you made there, David, in terms of like the generations, right? Like it's for this generation, it's been the, these first three phases of the MCU, like this is their MCU. Well, maybe the next MCU, the next phase isn't necessarily our MCU. It's going to belong to a different group, or maybe it, maybe that one still does, but then the next phase doesn't, you know, like you can have, so it, it's also going to be important to understand, like as new generations come in and, and discover these movies, there are going to be times when those movies are theirs like I, I I talked about this way back on an episode of Star Wars with Friends uh, when we talked about the Whoa. we did our commentary for The Phantom Menace and I talked about how at that time I mean I was 16 years old or almost 16 years old when that movie came out so I wasn't like a little kid, but I mentioned how because the Star Wars movies all of them came out before I was born, and so none of them ever felt like they were mine. You know, like they I loved them, but they didn't belong to me they they were you know they they belonged to a generation before me, so when the prequels came out, even though i didn't I certainly didn't love them as much as the original trilogy, and I really don't care for Attack of the Clones, but I can get by with Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith, but more importantly than just arguing over the quality of those films was just the i the feeling that I had when I watched The Phantom Menace, I was like, okay, finally, like I have a piece of Star Wars that. That I actually got to be here for from the beginning, and I didn't have that before, and so I know that for, and and I think the same experience will will happen with other Marvel fans, and that you know there are going to be kids who are getting born who are born today, and you know these these first three phases of the MCU, it's not it's not going to feel like it's theirs. They might love the movies just like I loved that original Star Wars trilogy, but they won't love the, but they won't feel that same sense of ownership that that we get to feel over it and so they're going to want to uh you know and so but the next generation or the next crop of marvel movies when they're old enough to really see them and enjoy them the movies that are hitting theaters during those formative years for them that's going to feel like their marvel cinematic universe now and so it's important to keep in mind that even though this sense of ownership can be a, a very good and positive feeling You can't let that sense of ownership trick you into thinking you actually own these things and you're actually entitled to anything uh, as a result of it. And so... You, know, you got to be willing to let the story. As fans, you got to be willing to let the story progress, and maybe not everything is going to be geared directly towards you because you already had twenty-two movies that were geared towards you, and then the next the next crop, uh, maybe it still appeals to you, and you still really love it, and that's great if it happens. But you may no longer be the target audience for it anymore, and that's that is part of the evolution of a story, uh, of of canon, of a continuity, of a timeline. So I think all of the I think all those things are important to keep in mind. It's not just about Marvel studios obligations. It's also in their, their challenges as storytellers. It's also, there are still things that we have to think about and, and keep in mind as audience members. Mm-hmm. Totally. But given the silence, I think I'm going to take that opportunity <laughs> to wrap this baby up. That's right. So, uh, David, thank you very much for joining us for this discussion. David's going to stick with us, by the way, though. If you're on the Patreon, he's going to be on the Patreon credit scene. We're going to be talking about the latest on James Gunn. We're going to talk about the Venom trailer. Um, so, he's not just going to go away <laughs> like a turd in the wind. So, we are going to be oh, we are going to be talking to David a little bit more. Uh, but in the meantime, David, you can uh, this is your chance to plug if you want people to follow you on social media or anything like that. You're you're free to. You're free to plug away.
1: Ah, uh, well, I mostly use Facebook, but on Twitter, I am at Rosen's Mind, so that's my last name. R O S E N S M I N D. I'm starting to tweet a little more, but uh, feel I'm feel free to. <laughs> Tweet, tweet at me or respond to any tweets that I send out. Yep. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, Rosen's Eye, although my Instagram feed, Instagram feed is mostly pictures of food and my cat. So I don't
0: know if you're... I think you that's know, most people's Instagram feed. So
1: <laughs> I don't think you're that. Uh, <laughs> so,
0: I think that's just maybe,
1: fine. Maybe there's some people out there who are interested.
0: <laughs> Probably probably yeah and then if you want to keep up with uh marvel studios news you can do that on the website marvelstudiosnews.com facebook and instagram at marvel studios news and twitter at marvel newscast paul where can they find you you
2: find me on twitter at herman 22 with two n's aka p thug
0: you can find me on twitter and instagram where i don't have a cat so there are no pictures of cats there at mr sean gerber sean spelled s-e-a-n so for david and paul i'm sean thanks for listening we'll see you next time